Check, check, mic check. Check, check, mic check. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast Envy. I'm your podcast boss, Andrea Klender, and today is the second installment of our great podcast crossover between Podcast Envy and my other show, The Creative Imposter, where we are talking with podcasters all about that pesky little thing I like to call imposter syndrome. So if you have ever felt like a fraud or that nagging self-doubt in your solar plexus where you just feel like, who am I to have a podcast? Who's going to want to listen to me? How can I possibly charge what I'm worth for my services? Oh, yeah. Today, I'm talking with Jennifer Longworth, host of The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. And Jennifer is interesting for this series because she is not just a podcast host and producer. She actually is also and primarily a podcast editor. So she, like me, works on a lot of different shows and listens to raw audio from a lot of different hosts and voices. And even before she did that, she has a background in radio. So Jennifer has a lot of unique insights that I haven't gotten from anyone else. I originally met Jennifer at PodFest in Orlando, Florida, and I have to say that we connected immediately because, well, she's just fun and quirky and authentic and not trying to be something that she's not. I just really enjoyed hanging out with her and we stayed connected. And now I'm bringing her to you with some fantastic thoughts and advice. If you happen to be a podcaster or aspiring podcaster who is attending Podcast Movement in Philadelphia this month, July 2018, Jennifer is also one of the featured speakers as part of the new podcaster Primer. Primer? I think she says Primer. I say Primer. Who knows? That is taking place Monday, July 23rd from 1 to 3 p.m. And we talk a lot about how imposter syndrome comes up in that scenario in this interview. Links to Jennifer's session and all other things Jennifer Longworth will be in the show notes for this episode in the description of your app and at podcastnv.com. And on that note, just a little sidebar, I also will be speaking at Podcast Movement on Wednesday at 11 a.m. talking all about how you can make a podcast that matters by helping other people tell their stories as well. Check it out. We hope to see you there. And in the meantime, here's Jennifer Longworth. Jennifer Longworth of The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. You are here with me today to talk about what else? Podcasting. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And specifically podcasting and imposter syndrome. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you and your show. Well, I like to call myself a geeky, married, Catholic podcast producer who has kids and cats. (laughs) So that covers everything in a nutshell. I do have my own podcast, but I also have lots of podcasts that are not my own because I'm an editor and producer and coach some young podcasters, as I like to call them, who don't quite know what they're doing yet. But my background is actually in radio. I worked at a radio station for like seven years and ended up working my way up into production. 
but it was a small studio here in Lexington, Kentucky, and it was bought by the big guys. So then it was like, okay, got to make a change. And Mandy was like, well, we could do this podcasting thing. So I started learning podcasting. But once the station sold, I was like, all right, I can do this on my own. So then I became a freelance editor and here I am. <laughs> now I'm having my own show and I'm guesting on other people's shows. So that's fun. Awesome. So you edit other shows. How do you find clients or how do you find shows to work on to make up your business? Well, the first one that I've been with the longest as a freelancer is Savings Angel with Josh Elledge. And he posted on Facebook. I don't remember what group it was in, but his thing was anytime I hire someone, I ask them what podcast they listen to. Like, huh, that sounds like an interesting person. So I click on his profile, find out, and I reached out and I say I use a Jedi mind trick because we weren't talking about me helping with his podcast, but I turned the conversation so that he went, oh, You can help me with my podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out. And then Josh has referred me to other people in the industry. And then I've gone to Podcast Movement and Podfest and Podfecta and anywhere I can. So it's the personal connections and referrals have really driven it. Mostly there's been a personal connection of some point before I've started working with the person. And so your show now that you are hosting is The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. And you didn't come about hosting that show in the way that we think of often as like, I am a person who decides I want to have a podcast and I think about what should my podcast be about and then I create it from the ground up. But you kind of came in through a different route. How did that happen? Yes. Josh Elledge, who I mentioned a moment ago, host of Savings Angel. He is also the CEO of UpMyInfluence.com and I work for them with some podcasting stuff and some Twitter stuff. And I actually wasn't in the meeting, but I heard the recording of it later where they came up with the idea, bouncing ideas off of each other about podcasts. Should we have our own podcast? Should we work more podcasters? And like, hey, you know what? Why, why don't we just do our own podcast? Okay, that sounds cool. Well, they didn't ask me specifically to do it. And I was talking to Josh on the phone. He's like, okay, what do you think about this? And bouncing ideas off of me. I'm like, you do know I was a host of a radio show in Lexington, right? You do know that I had my own show on the air. I totally know how to do this. <laughs> and I don't know if he just didn't want to ask me directly or what, but he sounded very relieved when I said I'd do it because I do the whole thing. I edit it too, because I was probably going to end up editing it because that's what I do anyway. So why don't I just do the whole thing? So start to finish Thoughtful Entrepreneur is me, except on the podcast, he does the intro and outro because it's an up my influence product, if you will. And then so in terms of finding the guests and picking the topics and things, is that something that you do? Is that something he does? Is that something you do in collaboration? How does that work? It's mostly up my influence clients. We have other folks who aren't, but we already have a personal connection with them and know them and know that they would be a good fit for the show. But primarily it's our clients or potential clients. So if you're interested in being a guest, upmyinfluence.com slash podcast. <laughs> so Jennifer, you sound to me extremely confident about what you do, knowing that you have this background in radio production and you kind of can do it all. You can produce, you can host, you can edit. So what was it about the theme of imposter syndrome that made you want to come on and talk to our podcast NV listeners today? Well, there's a couple of things. One is podcast movement coming up. 
and I was blessed to be chosen to co-lead the new podcast Primer workshop the day before the conference starts. Yeah, co-lead with two people who totally know what they're doing. Harry Duran and Corey Coates. I mean, they've been doing this, what I feel, longer and better than me. I don't know anything. I got to work with Harry. He knows stuff. I got to work with Corey. He knows way more stuff than I do. What am I going to do? I don't feel needed in this. Oh, my gosh. So that kind of is one of the things that's very top of mind recent. But now that we've talked through it and I know I have a place, we each are going to talk about different things. Okay, I can overcome this. I'm still not worthy to be in the same room with these people who know what they're doing. (laughs) You know, that type of thing. And then the other one is as an editor and producer freelancing, you have to set your own rates. And I undervalue myself. (laughs) And I know I undervalue myself. And one of the first, before I really knew better, the first clients I had, I charged. The first one was free because he was new. I'm like, okay, I'll get you started and did a free one. And then I was like, okay, that's cool. Well, we can keep working together. $25 an episode just to start to finish editing producing whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's very low (laughs) his episodes were an hour long okay you've done this Mm -hmm. that's severely undervaluing myself so less than minimum wage in most markets (laughs) exactly it's not 25 dollars for an hour anymore I, i did wise up to that and have tweaked them since then but compared to what else is out there oh i'm still not where i need to be and i know that but i don't always feel like I'm, quote, worthy or knowledgeable or blah, 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 whatever, imposter, imposter syndrome, syndrome, to charge what I'm probably worth or at least close to what some of the other guys are charging that know more than me, right? Of course, that's the nature of the beast here. (laughs) So you know that I also edit podcasts and Mm -hmm. I have struggled with this as well. And the easy part for me was to listen to the advice of coaches and other people I know to tell me that I should be charging more and to go ahead and start quoting what I think is more accurate for the amount of work and care and intention that I put into the shows that I edit and also what is comparable to I mean because obviously there's a range of pricing right for editing a huge range there's everything from like you know, 15 bucks on Fiverr to several hundred dollars per episode. And so I feel like I'm within the reasonable range, but closer to the higher end, because Mm -hmm. I now kind of know the difference also between what services people are offering with editing. So it was easy for me to start. Not easy. I mean, it still was like, oh, I'm going to quote them a high rate, but high in my mind, high compared to what? But what's difficult is that So many people actually freak out when I give them a quote, right? Like, oh, my God, that's outrageous. Then it's like when they have that reaction, then that's what's difficult for me is then I Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, my God, I'm a horrible person. What makes me think that somebody can afford to have that? And it kind of throws me into a little bit of a tailspin. Where do you get tripped up in the pricing? Like, what do you think it is about that ask? (laughs) Well, One thing I know that I need to take into consideration, like you alluded to, is what is actually going into it. You know, now I have fancier software and plugins and I can make your show sound even more amazing than it did before. You know how that goes. So what am I actually charging for right now? My rate's probably more like just the basics, put your intro and outro and do noise reduction, blah, 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 that type stuff. But what I'm doing is 
running all these different plugins, editing each little distraction out. I call them distractions because they're not all the same. It's not just uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> anything I think takes away from the content I'm editing out or whatever within permission of the client. Well, that's a little bit more work than adding intro, outro music, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have a tiered system. So I just, everybody's the same. Hmm. And trying to put a number value on what I do. Do I charge by time? I don't want to get it too complicated. I don't want to be hourly, but I want to get a decent hourly wage. And then I see what some people are charging. I'm like, holy cow, that's expensive. But I work with a lot of small podcasts and small podcasters that have small budgets. And I love my little people and they couldn't afford other things. I mean, one guy came to me because his editor raised rates and his editor referred him to me because he knew my rates were lower. So, okay, whatever. But that guy's pretty low maintenance. He doesn't expect a lot. He's like, ah, whatever you do, that's fine. Whereas others send me audio. I'm going, what am I supposed to do with this? Why? And every once in a while, if they send me something, they go, I know this is a train wreck. How much do you need? (laughs) What are some of the problems that you've seen in audio files that you get from your clients? Just generally? Well, crazy reverb is one. And now that I have fancy software, that's pretty easy to take care of. But you got to pay to get the software to be able to do it very easily. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, distortion. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was so bad. I could not understand the person speaking. Oh, (laughs) I could not understand. After I was done running different processing and EQ, I could. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, she's talking about skiing. I was warned about this show. This is one that they sent me like, oh, this is not good. What can you do? I could not understand a word she was saying until I fixed it up a lot. And then I'm like, okay. And then, oh, and I'm probably doing it. You're going to edit and go, oh my gosh, she just did everything she's complaining about. But the guy who said it, I think it was seven or 11 times in a row. It, 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 it. Uh. Huh. It's okay to be quiet. Although, like I said, I'm the guest. You're going to edit this and go, wow, she's just as bad as everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I better not say too much about editing because she might not edit me and then everyone will know. (laughs) See, there's the possibility. They'll know. They'll know. Yeah. Well, I think that when you do your own editing, you become aware of the vocal tics and habits and things that you have. You become hyper aware of them. And I think you naturally start to I mean, I this is for me. I naturally start to edit myself as I'm talking. And it doesn't mean that I don't sometimes breathe heavily or I don't sometimes smack my lips or I don't sometimes get into a pattern where I say like a million times. That's my thing when I'm either nervous or I'm speaking to somebody who says like a lot, I kind of pick up their pattern and then I listen back to my audio and I'm thinking, oh my God, (laughs) what are you doing? You don't normally talk that way. As a host, my biggest one is so... Like, oh no, I start every sentence with so... I'm one of those people. Oh. I just have to edit myself now. Okay, so speaking of so, now I'm super aware of that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is what happens when you get two audio editors talking to each other. It's a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> Everyone's getting hyper-conscious. Yeah, I'm just glad you're the one editing it. I don't have to listen to this again. Okay, you charge less than what you probably should. You charge less than what you probably could. 
you're not quite ready to ask for what you feel like would be more in line with what value you actually are providing. What's the dark side of that? Meaning what happens when you charge less than you feel like you could be or should be? Why is that a problem? Because I'm not making as much money. Well, you mentioned it earlier about when I said I was doing $25 for an hour podcast and that's less than minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep that in mind going if I have to edit someone's hour show, which is going to take me four hours. I mean, that's people ask how long it takes to edit a podcast and it's safe to say four times the length of the show. Mm-hmm. That's not always true, but Whenever I think it's going to take less time, it's going to be one of those that takes more time. So, yeah, three to four times the length of the show. And if you're charging $40 for an hour long show, which is not my rate now for an hour, then you're only getting $10 an hour if you look at it like that. And for a professional, which I consider myself to be, who's invested time and money and getting better at what I do... Why do I need to be making $10 an hour? I could go to a fast food place in town and make close to that. If not more, depends on where I go. I can make more money serving chicken sandwiches. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking at podcast movement for Pete's sakes. I must know what I'm doing if they picked me. I'm involved in community. I'm known by other editors now. And I feel like I have the relationships in the community now. But I like working with the low budget people. (sighs) So where's the balance? And one thing I've asked another editor, I'm going to put it in the um, Facebook podcast editor group about tiering your prices. I don't know if you do that, but I think I should at least start doing that. If I want to charge someone $25 for an hour, that means I'm only doing their intros, outros, music or whatever. I'm kind of, when I think about it, comfortable with where my rates are Mm -hmm. in a way, but I know I'm cheating myself. Yeah, it's tricky. And I don't have flat rates. I didn't do a tiered thing because I find that every single show needs something different. Some shows require a lot more hands-on. Some shows want me to do their show notes. Some don't. Some want super detailed show notes. Some want just like a simple summary. Some want me to actually listen to the content of their interview and make suggestions of I'm going to ramble on with my guest for about 75 minutes and I want the episode to be less than an hour. So just please take out whatever you feel like is extra. And that's the part of editing that I like the most. So then Mm -hmm. I'm happy when I get those clients who are like, oh, I want you to edit my content. I'm like, yeah, but that takes infinitely more time. And then I feel like I have to charge more. But I just kind of take a look at what all they need, what they're giving me and what they want the end result to be. And then I give custom quotes from there. But I just don't even want to do what would be the lower end of that tier. Like I'm basically just stitching your show elements together, doing the fade ins, fade outs, and then the tech part of the noise reduction and the compression and that sort of thing to me, that's, that's not so fun. super boring. And I was telling somebody, you know, I could edit, but if I don't do the sound engineering before I edit, that'll drive me crazy. Mm. I can't just do one and the other. They have to go together. So then that's when I like, oh, well, this is actually worth more than that. And I'm charging everyone the same. Ah, So maybe we just need a chat. 
Oh, it's that special time again where I get to share with you a podcast angel. And since Jennifer and I are talking all about podcast editing, the obvious thing to do would be to tell you how you can get editing services from me, but... I'm not going to do that. That's a little weird. Instead, I am going to recommend a fabulous, fabulous piece of software that you can use if you are planning to do or are currently doing remote podcast interviews where you and your guest are not in the same space. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to go to the show notes for this episode or podcastenvy.com and find the link for Ecamm Call Recorder and Ecamm Live. Ecamm is a fabulous company that creates software for Mac users that makes it awesome to record interviews using Skype and now even Facebook Live. The thing I love most about Ecamm is that it has the capacity to record you and your guest on two separate channels. Why is that awesome? Because that means if I'm talking and a dog barks in the background of my guest, I can mute that out. Or if my guest is talking and I take that opportunity to take a little sip of water, you won't hear. (sighs) Gross, right? (laughs) Ecamm Call Recorder for Skype and Ecamm Live for Facebook Live. Do your editor a favor. Whether that editor is you or someone else, you'll make them smile lots with split tracks from Ecamm. There's probably a podcast movement message about value, right? (laughs) I don't know. Are you doing an imposter syndrome when you need to? Well, I'm doing a talk at Podcast Movement, but it's actually about social impact and about the mentoring program that I have with high school students in Chicago who are diverse learners. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Every time I've pitched imposter syndrome topics for any conference, podcasting or not, it hasn't gotten picked. And so I did something different at the urging of Elsie Escobar, who's one of my mentors. Mm -hmm. And she actually told me, she said, I think you should pitch a talk about this topic for this track for podcast movement. And I was like, oh, okay. well, if Elsie says to do it, I'm going to do it. And then it got picked. So I was like, oh, apparently I meant to talk about social impact and high school program mentoring, not imposter syndrome, which is just fine Probably with me. because everyone has imposter syndrome to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. And they look at that and like, well, I could teach that class, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's what people are looking at. Uh, who knows? Nah, I'm going to give you imposter syndrome. Nah. <laughs> I mean, we're what, four weeks out from the conference and everyone's like, oh, do you have your presentation ready? I'm like, are you kidding? No. That's no, something- <laughs> I just grieve about it every single night going, what am I talking about? Ha <laughs> ha. And I played it through my mind lots of time. I think last night I dreamed that I went in with what I'd been thinking about and someone else said everything as they were introducing me. <laughs> they said everything I was going to say during my introduction. I was like, oh, no. I've got nothing. What am I going to do now? So I guess I'm even dreaming imposter syndrome going, I knew I wasn't worthy of this. <laughs> It'll be good. How do you plan to have the self-confidence to carry off your talk? I'm hoping just to be me. And that will come through. And when I've spoken before, I just am me and I do my thing. And going back to high school, I was chosen to give a talk on senior day at our church. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Okay. Did I write anything down? No, because I'm not one of those people. And I'm in my car driving to church going, 
What am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? I could talk about this, this, this. Okay. <laughs> and worked it out in my head and got there, delivered it. And it was killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. Good. Okay. So I'm really hoping that that part of my brain kicks. It's not like I'm not thinking and planning, but I want to be open and flexible. And the last time I did public speaking, I was moderating a panel and that's a lot easier because you just have to ask the questions mm-hmm. and move the microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> this will be me, but it's not like I'm a keynote, you know, mm-hmm. given the big speech in the big room with slides and blah, 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 or whatever. It's mm-hmm. more the smaller menu, but still, I'm also, it's a girl thing. It's being a, a lady and I have to work with the boys and boys know more than girls. And I get that type of thing at a place I worked for for a while. It felt like that forever. When you would pitch the one guy your ideas, he wouldn't listen to you if you're a girl. He would, he'd never admit that. And then a guy would say it. Go, oh, that's a great idea. It wasn't just me. Mm-hmm. All the ladies around, even our remote team ladies figured this out. Mm-hmm. Like, why hasn't he listened to you? Because I'm a girl. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I ended up crying in a conference caller once with a couple of the men on the team. I'm like, you guys aren't listening to me because I'm a girl. And they're like, that's not true. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> and when I'm paired up with men, I'm going, oh, no, I wasn't listened to before. I'm not going to be listened to now. And maybe that's one of the things that's making this easier, too, because the guys I'm working with were totally open to what I had to say and appreciating me saying, let's do this. We're going to get this together. Okay, gang. And they're they're asking me questions now. Jennifer, do you know what the situation is on this? I'm like, uh, no, but I'll find out. Mm-hmm. So I think in this situation also has to do with a lot of the with the guys I'm working with, even though I don't feel worthy to share the stage with them. But, you know, we're all going to talk about different things. So I won't look stupid giving tech advice when Corey, who... I believe, knows more about tech than I do, gets up and does his tech talk. I'll be like, well, why did I come? Ah! Yeah, no, I think definitely there's two things that I think of when you say that. One is every time I think about posting a question or something in a Facebook group for podcasters that is not the She Podcasts group that is only for lady podcasters, Mm -hmm. I don't worry about posting anything in that group. I can post anything and I know that I'm going to get some kind of response and it's going to be helpful and it's going to be fine and whatever. But every time I think about posting in one of the other groups, like I just posted something last night, I couldn't figure out with the new Google Podcasts app, I couldn't figure out how to get the Google Podcasts app link for my show rather than the Google Play Music. And I was like Googling it. I was looking all Mm -hmm. inside the app, like, where is the link to my show? But I saw that other people had posted theirs. And so I was like, this must be a thing. And it's probably super obvious. And so I posted it in actually the podcast movement group. And I was like, waiting for the mansplaining comments and answers (laughs) that I would get that would both answer my question and also make me feel like the dumbest person on the planet. Right. I was just waiting. I was like, please, God, please don't. Please, please, please let me just get the answer. And you know what? It was fine. It was great. A couple people responded with some links and resources and nobody mansplained. Nobody made me feel dumb. And I was like, whew, a narrow escape. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank heaven she asked because I wanted to ask, but I didn't want to be mansplained. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that made me think of is just for your position for working with a couple of other presenters is 
the ability to recognize that you don't need to know how to do everything. Cause that was something when I first started editing podcasts for other people. And when I started coaching other new podcasters, how to launch, I felt like I needed to know how to do all the things on all the software and all the platforms, just giving yourself permission to not have to know every single answer to every single thing and just know what you know, and then know when you need to say, I don't have the answer to that, but I could probably find out is like a huge relief. Yeah, I think I learned that in sales or something during one of those seasons of my life. Okay, so we're going to move into quick, short answers. I have to figure out what to call this segment because this is a new thing that I'm trying. Okay. And I don't want to call it like the lightning round. Because everyone calls it the lightning round. Right. And I don't want to call it short answers because then it feels like you're taking a standardized test. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, now it's time for the short. Oh, no. Okay. So number one, how long have you been working in podcasting? About two years. Did you come up with the title for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur or was that given to you? A bit of both. It's part of our mission statement for the company. We turn thoughtful entrepreneurs into media celebrities. So I said, hey, look, it's right there in our mission statement. We turn thoughtful entrepreneurs into media celebrities. Why don't we just use that? Where did the cover art come from for the show? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a designer at all. So I'm like, hey, this is what I came up with. And everyone goes, no. What about theme music? Do you know where that came from? Yes, I chose that. We bought a subscription to a royalty free, whatever, whatever. I don't remember what it is right now. Sorry. Now, these services can be a rabbit hole and suck your time away. Mm -hmm. So I tried to keep it just listening to one or two pages and I found what I wanted pretty quickly. What's your biggest strength as a podcaster? I think the radio background definitely helps me as an interviewer because I was trained as an interviewer by a radio guy. Now, (laughs) podcasting isn't radio. But when my guests tell me after it's over, wow, I can tell you have experience in this. Wow, I can tell you that you have been behind the mic before. Wow, that's the best podcast interview ever because you actually listen to my answers. I go, okay, I might only be seven episodes in at this point or whatever, but I've already heard that feedback coming from my experience in radio. Mm -hmm. How to use my voice better, how to answer questions, make it sound good. So I think being flexible yet professional helps as well. I don't necessarily stick to the questions. I'll ask, you know, the first few. But I ask the guests to give me a list of potential questions. That's how my show works. Like, okay, give me five questions of things you might like to talk about. And so I will rephrase them and ask the first one, see where it goes. And if I like a direction in their answer, we'll go that way. Yeah, okay, I didn't get much there. We'll, we'll question two. Oh, look, look, here's a theme. And I try to find a theme within their first couple of answers and then just whoop, steer it that way. Now, editing is also helpful (laughs) or just get a good editor. Fortunately, I'm both because I'll go, oh, man, I forgot to ask them this thing. I don't say this out loud, but I know it in my mind. So I go back later in the podcast and ask them and direct it. And then I just move the pieces around so that it makes sense. Is there anything that you don't like about podcasting? Like part of the process you wish you didn't have to deal with or show notes? (laughs) Same. Highlight of your podcasting career so far? Meeting you at PodFest. What? (laughs) It's meeting people up to this point has been the coolest part. Now, the most coolest part is going to happen when I'm a speaker and seeing, you know, this exciting imposter, whatever. And you're on the list of speakers for podcast movement. And we see names 
like peep there and Mankey. I'm on the same list as Aaron Mankey of lore. What the heck? He knows what I'm doing. So that's kind of exciting to see that. And then I'll actually like have a speaker fest. So I'm looking forward to that being exciting. But up to this point, it's meeting my favorite podcaster, Drew Ackerman of Sleep With Me podcast. So I've gotten to meet him twice and we gone out to dinner and I'm like, I'm such a fan girl. What? <laughs> so making the connections and meeting these people I've been listening to, they're in my ears all the time. And now I'm hanging out with them. And that's really cool. Worst podcasting moment or biggest podcasting fail. <laughs> well, here comes the editor in me and, and apologies to any of you those of you listening who have a blue Yeti, but (laughs) (laughs) when I have had a client with a blue Yeti or other condenser mic who is not using it properly and I'm only charging them $25 for an hour on a poorly placed blue Yeti, that was painful. (laughs) What is your best advice for an aspiring or new podcaster? To connect with others and network And if you get in some of these podcast groups, I I saw someone post this in one yesterday. Oh my gosh, I'm new. You know, you seem like you know it all. You have it all together. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. Imposter syndrome. (laughs) But a lot of people in the community are willing to help and you just have to reach out. If you don't like reaching out directly, listen to podcasts about podcasting, like School of Podcasting or Podcast Engineering School or Podcast Envy and such. You don't have to do it on your own. And whatever part you hate the most, be it show notes, being editing, whatever, don't be afraid to outsource it. Mm -hmm. If you go, oh my gosh, I have 10 episodes in the can, but I just can't release them because I don't want to edit them. Okay, so call Andrea or me or somebody else and we will help you with that. So you don't have to do it. And then what is your dream for the future for you for podcasting, either with the current show that you're hosting or with your editing work? This will be my first podcast movement as a speaker, and I would like to continue speaking at podcasting events and finding my niche in the speaking space. So I would like to do more of that. Brilliant. And of course, links to all things Jennifer Longworth and the Thoughtful Entrepreneur will be in the show notes, (laughs) the dreaded show notes. (laughs) And we'll connect to everything there. So she is easy to find. What's your favorite social media platform? I love Twitter, but I'm on Facebook more. Cool. Okay. The final question. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? No. (laughs) (laughs) That Andrew's amazing. And I'm so glad I got to meet you and make this connection. Everyone needs to be thankful for the people you have met along the way. And networking is amazing. So do that. Podcast Envy is produced by your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. That's me. The Podcast Envy theme music is by Valentin Sosnitsky, courtesy of the Freesound Project at freesound.org. And our podcast angel music is by Benjamin Mastropolito, also on freesound.org as Lemon Cream. All music is licensed under the Creative Commons. Our episodes are mixed by Edwin Ruiz. And hey, if you want your show to sound as good as ours, hire us. Put the magic audio mojo of the Creative Imposter Studios to work for you. Thanks so much for listening. And here's to making your podcast the envy of everyone else.